Welcome in to the Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McNichols, joined by my co-host, Rich Houck. Hello. And our producer, Mike Coyle. How's it going, guys? Today is Tuesday, March 29th. We are in the midst of free agency. Last time we were together, we talked about the quarterback moves that happened, and today we are going to get into pretty much all the other major moves that happened in free agency and with the franchise tag. Although the franchise tag has kind of led into the free agency, so... Let's start with the two biggest things. Uh, Devontae Adams was traded to the Raiders. Uh, the Packers received in return a 22 first and second round pick, and Devontae Adams got a five-year, $140 million deal with the with the Raiders. What are your thoughts as far as the fantasy implications for, let's start with Devontae Adams, and then we'll work to the other pass catchers for the Raiders. I expect Devontae Adams to be a wide receiver one. Next few years, at least, um, he's got a connection with Derek Carr. I mean, it sounds crazy, but they played together at Fresno State. Um, from what I what I've seen um, through the media, their relationship is has maintained through the years. So I, I expect him to come in and be a productive wide receiver one. So I guess the more of the question is, he was typically considered the wide receiver one. Is he the wide receiver one still, or is he a wide receiver one, and not necessarily like? Are the receivers that you would say I would probably like before it was no question Devontae Adams should be the first wide receiver taken off the board if you were going to take one in redraft at least anyway and probably still in dynasty as well for a lot of people who you know if you're in the win now mode subscription um, is he still wide receiver one is that it, I, I think that title belongs to Cooper Cup Cooper Cup it's Cooper Cup's title now so. How much further does he fall then? Is he wide receiver two, or could you see, would you imagine, I don't know, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, uh, somebody like that being ahead of Devontae Adams as well? I got got him in my top five. In the top five? Yeah. But not necessarily that solid one or two, or, you know, it's more, again, before it was a clear-cut take Devontae Adams one, it's now more clustered between Devontae Adams and some of those other guys we talked about. Yes, I okay. agree. Yeah. And now as far as Dynasty goes, Devontae Adams is going to be 29 to start this season. So he'll, uh, following season, not this upcoming season, but season after that will be his 30 season. We know there's a huge drop-off for wide receivers in a 30. Where is he at as far as Dynasty wide receivers go? That's a little bit more, that's a more difficult question to answer. Uh, around 10, I'd say. Around 10. 8 to 10. Okay. For all Dynasty yes. receivers? Okay. Okay. I might, he might slide out of the top ten between his age and just the new location. So, one of the things that concerns me with Devontae Adams and the reason that he's not the hands down wide receiver one like he was before is that he had insane volume in Green Bay. Uh, past three years in a row, he had over thirty percent target share in Green Bay. Uh, some no other wide receiver has done. So that's one of the main reasons that he was the clear cut wide receiver one. In addition to just how good he is, to the the volume that he was getting there, and with their pass catchers, with Hunter Renfro there and Darren Waller there, I don't know that he gets the enough volume to put him up there. So I think he, yeah, I think he's five to me, but like not one, not competing one two. I think he's more competing to stay in the top five than he is to be the top wide receiver. Okay, as far as a redraft goes. Um, where do you view this for uh, Hunter Renfro? So a guy who on a you know on a total points basis was a top ten wide receiver last year. A new offense uh, remains to be seen how much they're going to throw the ball. Um, I still expect Hunter Renfro to be a you know a solid fifty yard guy, four or five catches, um, wide receiver three. 
So floor of probably double digit fantasy points, but a kind of a capped ceiling is what you imagine for Hunter Renfro. That's so what I ten see. to fourteen points a week, probably yeah. somewhere around there. That's what I see. Occasional, okay. you know, eight, seven point game. Alright. And now how do you think this affects Darren Waller? I think it helps him. You think it helps him? Yeah, it's gonna take some coverage away from him. You're not concerned at all that it might take away a little bit of his volume. You know, again, one of the things where you're a tight end that's featured, that's kind of what makes you a tight, one of those top tight ends is when you're the number one pass catcher. Now with Devontae Adams there. I expect him to be more efficient. Expect him to be more efficient. Okay. And, you know, I guess it's hard to really slide him down with just uh, kind of <laughs> the tight ends that are after him. So right. he's definitely who, still the top five. Yeah, but who do you move ahead of him? I don't know that he's competing for the one spot like he might have been a year or so ago yeah, with some nah. people who are optimistic. Um, as far as Dynasty goes, though, if you're in a startup league, probably consider him over the older tight ends, though, right? Kelsey is going to be, what, 33? 32? getting up there, yeah. So, I mean, might consider Waller over somebody like him who's a little older. Potentially, depending, you know, the rest uh, of the roster. Probably still have Andrews ahead of him. Um, I don't know if I could. I can't take Gronk ahead of him. I don't know what's going to happen with Gronk over the next year or two. So, Darren Waller's still Gronk's a top still, five tight end, but. Doesn't know if he's coming back yet. So. Yeah, Gronk still isn't signed with the Bucks, and what happens if Brady retires after this upcoming season? You know, it's just the risk you take with yeah. the unknown. I think I'd rather have uh, Darren Waller still, even with the addition of Devontae Adams, as far as Dynasty goes. Redraft, a uh, slightly different story. Um, I don't know that it affects the run game too much. Josh Jacobs, not really too much of a pass catcher. He gets maybe two, three catches, two, three targets a game. Um, might make their offense more efficient. He might uh, get a little bit more space, see some more yards per carry, and maybe a few more touchdowns. Yeah. Um, still view him as an RB, too, though. It's just, it's hard with the RBs when you don't have the, the passing game upside. Right. All right, so. Yeah, let's move on uh on to the next big one. Yeah. Uh, Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins. Yeah. So Tyreek Hill was negotiating with the Chiefs, and then the Devontae Adams deal happened where he got five years, 140, uh, after he was traded, and then Tyreek said, I need a deal like that, and the Chiefs said, we don't have it. So they sent him to the Dolphins. They gained a 2022 first round, second round, and fourth round pick, and they also got a fourth and a sixth round pick in uh, 2023. Tyreek Hill receives a four-year, $120 million deal. What does this do for Tyreek Hill and then the pass catchers on the Dolphins? So let's start with Tyreek Hill. So Tyreek Hill, again, is one of those guys where, like uh, Devontae Adams, you would consider him one of the top three wide receivers. Going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua Tagovailoa and going from you know your main competition being Travis Kelsey to being... You know, Jalen Waddle and Mike Gusecki and the running backs that they just brought in and, you know, who else they're going to bring in at wide receiver. They have somebody else that I can't think of. What do you imagine for Tyreek Hill? How far does he slide? Uh, towards 10. Towards 10. Okay. I, so not in the top five. That's what I was thinking as well. Again, I had Adams borderline top five. I can't have Tyreek Hill in there over him. So... Oh, you know that seven, that seven to ten range. It's yeah. Waddle's gonna he's he's gonna command his targets. He he gets open. You know, Tua has that relationship with him already. Now, I st- I still expect Tyreek Hill to get targets as well. And it's interesting because Tyreek Hill was typically not a volume receiver. He was more of a big play explosive guy pri- in prior years, and that kind of led to him having some really big games and then a couple of you know 
low games. He was a peak and valley sort of guy. Last year with the defenses adjusting to him and doing two high safeties a lot, he was a bit of a more of a volume receiver. And I'm just concerned now between going down from no insult to Tua Tagovailoa, but going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua Tagovailoa is a downgrade. And there's just more mouths to feed, I feel, for the Dolphins. And I just also don't know that the Dolphins are going to pass as much as the Chiefs pass. Like, I don't know that Tua is dropping back and throwing 50 passes in a game, you know, 10 games out of the season. Like, I just I don't see yeah, that happening. I don't happening. think that's a recipe for success. Yeah. I mean, I expect their offense to be dynamic, though. I mean, Waddle. Oh, um, yeah. And yeah, Tyreek Hill. They, they brought in Chase Edmonds also. So... It, yeah, I so like you said, Tyreek Hill still a wide receiver one, still top ten, but I don't not in the top five. He's sliding back towards that. Yeah, it's, it's a tough question. Can Tua support two two guys like that? You know, and just borderline. You know, we know Tyreek Hill's a wide receiver one, and a lot of people had expectations of Jalen Waddle being a wide receiver one this this coming year, before the Tyreek Hill trade. So we'll see. I mean, can, can Tua support two uh, fantasy you know beasts? What do you think right now? I'm wary. Uh, I'm wary as well. I don't. Again, uh, this was it was something that I said earlier. I just think Waddle's stocks might be down. Waddle's stocks were entirely based last year on his huge amount of volume, and I just don't. Again, he's not going to get that. You don't bring Tyreek Hill over and sign him to that deal to then just force feed the ball to Jalen Waddle so like. Does, does Tyreek Hill get that Debo role? We, you know, Mike McDaniel's a Shanahan disciple. Yep. He, can we see Tyreek Hill getting five carries again? That's what they're talking about. A lot of him doing the running stuff behind the line like he did with the Chiefs. That they're still going to do that. And so, again, yeah. But, again, they, they signed Chase Edmonds. They, they signed Raheem Mostert as well. They still have Miles Gaskin on the roster. I don't know. I wouldn't count on five rushing attempts a game, but maybe, you know, two to three rushing attempts a game from Tyreek Hill for them. Uh, as far as Dynasty goes, again, I'm concerned. I know he signed the four-year deal, but he's also a wide receiver who's, I believe he's 28, so he's got, he's getting to that 30 age again. And to upgrade something that we said from last show, it's that uh, I said that it was wide receivers in the top 20. There wasn't a single one over 30. As far as production went, there wasn't a single wide receiver in the top 30. So wide receivers over 30, not a single one in the top 30 as far as production went last year. The best one was A.J. Green um, with like 800 and something yards. So... Uh, I know we like to imagine that wide receivers can play forever and and are kind of immune to that, but, you know, look at where Julio Jones is at compared to his career and look at even where A.J. Green is at compared to what they were at the height of their career. So it it comes. So as far as Dynasty goes, again, with with Devontae Adams dropping uh, uh, dropping down, I'm dropping Tyreek Hill down as well in Dynasty, and I don't know that I can take Tyreek Hill in in the top ten at Dynasty, especially because the Dolphins may move on from two of this season if he doesn't show up. So there's a big question mark with that. So one of the things that made Tyree kill that top wide receiver was Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Absent Patrick Mahomes, there are other wide receivers that are a little bit younger that I feel have potential to do what Tyree Kill had been doing with Patrick Mahomes. Screw it, Tyreek down there somewhere. So Tyree Kill, top fifteen wide receiver, Jalen Waddle. I want to say Jalen Waddle's in a, the 20 to 25 range, in all honesty. Um, still a usable wide receiver, obviously. Uh, you know, wide receiver three, solid flex. Um, Draft-wise, again, like I said, Tyreek Hill's old. I would Jalen Waddle is up there as far as wide receivers, young wide receivers to take. So if he could be successful with two of there, if they get a new one, he'll be successful with a new one. He's definitely in the top ten as far as wide receivers for a dynasty.
they have Mike Gusecki there as well. They tagged him. That was part of the news. Um, you think this affects him at all? I mean, he he's just he's in that tight end two range still, uh, right? He, I I think this helps him a lot. You think it helps him clear I mean, out you, the uh, middle of the exactly, field for him? Exactly. I mean, you look at where he he predominantly lined up in a slot, so. He's working the middle of the field, and then you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle as threats on the outside. That's just... I feel like they use Waddle over the middle more. That's what I was going to say. I feel like Gusecki might compete with Waddle for that over-the-middle stuff with Tyreek Hill kind of clearing everything else oh, out. Yeah. So That was only my... Cause again, I, I don't know that I... Uh, if you have to use Gusecki as your tight end one, that's fine. He's in that tight end 8 to 16 range. You know what I mean? A viable starter, but not heads and tails above the other guys in that where you have to start him as your tight end. Um, if you don't go tight end early, he's a solid person to grab and, and use. Uh, so that's it, I think, as far as the Dauphin skill players, um, as far as the pass catchers go related to that. Yeah, they did bring in uh, Cedric Wilson. Yeah, so yeah, what, but, but what's, what's left for Cedric Wilson after Tyreek after Tyree Hill, Jalen Waddle, Mike Gusecki? Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, as far as your fantasy purposes, after Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Mike Gusecki, what's really left for Cedric Wilson? Scraps. Yeah, so he he's a dart throw flex play in in a dynasty in a deep yeah. dynasty league. Uh, let's move on. More interesting as far as the running back goes, they signed, as we said earlier, Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. Chase Edmonds actually got a two-year, $12.1 million deal, so $6 million a year for a running back. That's a sizable chunk. Mostert's on a one-year, $3.1 million deal. This looks like the end for um, Miles Gaskiner in Miami. Yeah, RIP. So... Uh, I think that they just frankly weren't getting enough out of Gaskin. He, I, I don't know that he was picking up all of the all of the things that we don't see as like fantasy players, where you're concerned with the points and the yards and the touchdowns. I think that it was the the blocking assignments, the picking up blitzes, the just the general route running. I, I, I think that's where he struggled with them, and I just think he was ineffective as a runner in, in general. So I know that they had a, a poor offensive line, and that's part of it, but I think they also felt that they could have gotten more from more dynamic back, which is why they brought in the guys that they did. So uh, I don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable starting uh, Miles Gaskin as a running back. Of, of the ones that are there, I'm most optimistic about Chase Edmonds because I think he'll be involved in the passing game. But you're talking... RB three flex start running back. I, I'm not also. I'm not confident. Yeah. In, I'm not confident in starting a Miami running back as my RB one or RB two. No, but the thing about about the two guys ahead of Gaskin, uh, injury concerns. So Gaskin could be a hold. You know, you know Mostert's gonna it's gonna explode a couple games and he's gonna get hurt. Uh, Chase Edmonds been banged up in the past, so maybe we see Miles Gaskin. You know. Resurrect again, and he's back out there. I think they might use them in a rotation, and if they're rotating the guys, then I think Chase Edmonds is the pass-catching back, and Gaskins is the bruiser between the line and and quote-unquote goal-line threat, though I don't know how often they'll actually run at the goal line. I think I'd rather take my chance throwing to Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell or Mike Gusecki than I am handing it to Gaskin up the middle at the goal line, so... Again, I think that Edmonds got the pass catching work, which just brings down the value of Miles Gaskin. And again, I'm just until we actually see how it plays out, I'm not comfortable with going into the season as them as starting as one of my RB two, one of my first two RBs. No, I get that. 
let's move on then to what the Chiefs did to try and replace the hole left on their offense by Tyreek Hill. They have signed Juju Smith-Schuster to a one-year deal worth $3.25 million. That can increase to up to $7.5 million with incentives, so he can more than double that contract with incentives. I, I believe that includes making you know like the AFC Championship as part of that. So he's on a one-year deal. They signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling to a three-year $30 million deal. So any quick thoughts on the difference between those contracts with somebody like Juju, who, who has a bit more of a proven record getting a one-year three-point you know, a $3.2 million deal versus MVS getting three years, $30 million, averaging $10 million a year. It's a little, a little perplexing. Do you think it means that they have heavy plans for MVS, or, like, is it not just heavy plans, or it's just they need it to replicate the speed yeah, that Tyreek Hill, so they're going to they're gonna use him for the speed, but he's not necessarily the focal point? Because, I mean... Even when you look, you know, ten, the, compared to Juju, that's a lot. Look at some of the other wide receivers. Look what the Jaguars did with Christian Kirk. And three years, $30 million isn't a whole lot, especially when you look at Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams' deal. They're getting $30 million. Yeah. So uh, here's my concern. And I had said before that I figured the Chiefs' new number one wide receiver would be the one they take with the 29th or 30th pick. I am now more concerned that this is a wide receiver by committee without a clear-cut wide receiver one. So I think Mecole Hardman has been there the longest, and he's kind of the most likely to try to fill Tyreek Hill's role. But I don't know that he can do that, and so that's why I think they use the combination of the three wide receivers. Um, Kind of that we don't need an A wide receiver. We can get it done with, you know, three B wide receivers sort of motto. And... Without the volume, I, I, I mean, we have, we've been struggling to find a second wide receiver in this offense for a while. So I think Travis Kelsey is the pass catcher you want from the Chiefs. The other guys, I'm not confident in who's going to be the wide receiver one if one emerges, and I think it's more likely to be a committee. So I view them all as low-end RB2s slash wide, wide receiver two slash flex plays is where I'm looking at. Uh, with these wide receiver, yeah. wide receiver two, low end wide receiver two, wide receiver three range. Still early. We'll see what happens in the draft. Um, if if they address the wide receiver position early, or if they decide to you know go with a mid to a late round pick there. So let's think about that. If they if they take a wide receiver in the first round, is he their number one wide receiver? Potentially. Potentially, I would depend on who they take. I guess. Yeah. Okay. So now let's say they don't take a wide receiver in the first round. Are you confident in picking one? Are you confident in planting your flag in, in Juju, MVS, or Miko Hardman as the guy you said, this is going to be the number one wide receiver? Or is this something you need to see how this plays out over the first three, four games of the season before you determine that? You know, I'm, I'm like, part of me wants to say MVS because I'm ready for heartbreak. But it, I don't know. I are you, are you putting out. your fantasy season on that? If you, no. if you see, that's what I'm saying. I can't do it. Right. I, I, I want to, but I can't do it. I need say, to see. It. I was gonna say, if you had to start one of these guys as a wide receiver two on a, you, he was your wide receiver two locked in on a weekly basis. Any one of them you feel good about doing that with? No. That's a negative. That's where I'm at as well. So at that's what I'm point, saying. The, no. the wide receiver no. three flex range is where I think that the three wide receivers fall. If they draft one in the first round, it depends. Like you said, if it's Jamison Williams. Maybe. 
he's going to be but banged he's gonna, up. He's going to miss he the might, first. He might. He's going to miss at least the first month or two uh, because of the ACL tear too. when he comes back. So that's more that speed of a is that, that's more of a dynasty pick. So if if Jamison Williams goes to the Chiefs, he's you're in it for the long term. Yeah, you're not he, really worried about. He's definitely it. worth he's taking in the so first much. round of a dynasty league. He's probably the if he goes to the Chiefs again, he he should be one of the top three to five wide receivers off the board in your dynasty leagues. Um, and as far as the dynasty goes, again, Juju's on the one-year deal. I don't know how much you feel about that. And then MVS is, MVS is on the three-year deal. We'll see where he falls with everything. So I'm not confident too much in dynasty with them either. Juju wants that big deal next season. He's betting on himself. Goes to Kansas City, gets to work with Mahomes, right? Sees the deal that Devontae Adams got, that Tyreek Hill got. It's like, oh, I'm going to go play with Patty. Get them numbers up and get paid. It's a solid strap. Who is this? Juju. Juju? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. Hey, at least the Chiefs are doing something because the, the Packers sure aren't. And, uh, you know, we said it before, but this is why we think the Packers are going to take players in the first and second round, even though they historically don't. But we already addressed that, so we'll move on. The next series of moves that happens, kind of a little bit of a chain reaction. So Michael Gallup gets signed to a five-year, $57.5 million deal with the Dallas Cowboys. Because of Gallup's deal and Dak's deal and Zeke's deal, they couldn't continue with paying Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. So Amari Cooper gets shipped over to the Browns. They received minimum compensation in return. I, I didn't even bother writing it down because it I think it was like a yeah, I think it was a sixth round, round fifth or sixth round pick that they got back for him because uh, the Browns had to take on Cooper's contract. So the the Cowboys signed Gallup. They trade Cooper to the Browns. The Browns released Jarvis Landry. And then additionally, they signed Jakeem Grant to a three-year, $10 million deal just to kind of add to an, another wide receiver that kind of to a wide receiver room that's lacking. So let's start with how this affects Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb. Uh, I think it actually helps them. Um, one less mouth to feed there mm-hmm. kind of in Dallas, you know. Uh, they also lost Cedric Wilson, so that was, that was two wide receivers that were really eaten into the target share. Um, the question now is... If you're the defense, are you playing for CeeDee Lamb or Michael Gallup? CeeDee Lamb, right? Yeah, you would think, but he lines up in the slot a lot, so he might be able to avoid number one corners. Could be a big year for CeeDee Lamb. See, I'm thinking that if I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm playing for one of the wise years, I'm planning for CD Lamb, and I'll live with what Michael Gallup may or may not be able to do. He's also coming off the torn ACL, yeah. don't forget. Um so I think it might. Surprise if they I, 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 I don't know CD Lamb. Like last year, we were expecting CD Lamb to take that number one role from Amari Cooper and seize it, and none of these wide receivers really did. They were all kind of middling uh, wide receiver twos, um, and very inconsistent. Who was the Who was the top pass catcher on a week to week basis? Sort of changed. Um, I think Michael Gallup gets a little bit of a more steady role, but I think C.D. Lamb might see more of the coverage. So I don't know that we can say that, you know, there was talk last year of C.D. Lamb breaking into that top 10, top 5 possibly. This could be it. I don't. I, I feel the opposite. I feel that he's going to get the number one coverage and it's going to keep him from reaching that ceiling that we keep hoping about. And Michael Gallup might benefit from that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if they add another pass catcher to kind of shake things up and make it so you can't. But I think... I think we can take. I, I, you know, I think C. D. Lamb is more of a wide receiver two than a wide receiver one as far as redraft dynasty. He's still a top ten wide receiver in a startup league. Michael Gallup, not too far behind him, is a wide receiver two. Okay. 
Uh, Amari Cooper to the Browns. Deshaun Watson is now the quarterback for the Browns. Yeah, it's a little bit of upgrade in situation, you know, from battling it out like we were just talking about with CeeDee Lamb for wide receiver one and, and Michael Gallup getting targets and the emergence of Dalton Schultz last year. and Cedric Wilson. And now, then, yeah. now he goes to a wide receiving room that lost Jarvis Landry, traded Odell Beckham Jr. last year. Rashard Higgins, their other wide receiver, is gone. So their top pass catchers from last year are Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz. Anthony Schwartz was a rookie. Donovan Peoples-Jones was in his second year. And then they signed Jakeem Grant. So there's not really a lot of competition on the Browns as far as, you know, receiving, as far as receiving competition. David Njoku is still there at tight end, but... Deshaun Watson's got to throw the ball to somebody, yeah, even Cooper though I know the a lot of volume. Yeah. So, we talked about this too a bit on the podcast the other day, and I had said that I think a top fifteen, but again, I don't know that I can put him in the top ten for redraft. Uh, definitely not dynasty because he is an older wide receiver, and I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Browns still add wide receiver in the draft in like the second round was, because Cooper's getting up there in age. There was talks that OBJ could possibly be back, and Jarvis Landry could also be back potentially. Right. Biggest both, biggest concern both of, going on twenty nine injuries problems recently with them right both uh, if I'm if I'm a Cooper owner biggest concern is Watson not playing for this season getting suspended for the season we have Baker, no idea they're saying they might not trade him Baker steps in for a few games it's, it's better than you know some of the other backup quarterback options are you talking the Browns might not trade Baker okay yeah I'm for right now I mean you gotta think I mean, about they're, that they're playing the game through the media you know working working their angles so they don't have any leverage. Right. We, we also went through this on the it, other pod, so can, we won't yeah. recap it. It's a little bit shaky if you're a Cooper owner. Um, you don't know what's going to go down over there. I mean, even if Watson does go if there. If you're Baker, do you play for them? I mean, he's going to he's gonna have to. He doesn't have to. Deshaun Watson didn't play for the Texans last year. Yeah. He's got a game check every week. Can the, he play? At the end of the day, all of these are concerns that you're going to have to have if you have Cooper or if you're looking to acquire him. I mean, you can play it in your favor if you're looking to acquire Cooper. You know, you can play as, hey, listen, I'm going to take this guy off your hands. What happens if you get if he gets sent over there and Watson suspended for eight games? Yeah. Well, he's suspended for the whole season. Because Cooper's also 28 or 29, so yeah. it's like, you know, you could not have Deshaun Watson for his 29 season, and then it's his 30 season, and now you're worried about the age fall off and what if they add somebody else on there. and yeah, so. Right, because his value is going to drop. Is, Job significantly if, if Deshaun Watson right. is not the quarterback. For so the if you're trying to acquire him, you know you maybe play that play that card. Yeah, if you're drafting him, dra- don't I wouldn't draft him to be my wide receiver one. I would draft him to be wide receiver two because of the uncertainty there. Absolutely. As far as a uh, redraft goes. All right, uh, let's move on then. Uh, Jarvis Landry still not signed. OBJ still not signed. So nothing to go there. Arizona uh, re-signed Zach Ertz and James Conner. Christian Kirk is gone. They haven't really anything else. So DeAndre Hopkins also getting up there in age, dealt with injuries for the last part of last season, seemed kind of ineffective when he did come back because he might have come back too early. Taking all of that in, Zach Ertz, top five tight end. One of the he's not in that he's not in that tight end wasteland here. I would say where like you start him just because you don't really have a better option. I think you can start Zach Ertz at tight end and feel safe that you're not going to get a zero. Like, you're not going to get a donut. You're not going to get six points. Like, he should have a solid floor of yeah, around feel ten good points. about Zach Ertz. Yeah. So, Zach Ertz, I see, is the top, I think five might have been generous. Let's say top eight. Top eight yeah, tight five end. Yeah, five is definitely a little generous. Five is generous. So, redraft top 
top eight dynasty. He's an older He's yeah. another one. He did sign a three-year deal, but again, he's a little bit older, a little bit Depends up there. Depends value some of those younger guys. Yeah. So... Tight end position's tough. Yeah. Um, James Conner, though, is back with the Arizona Cardinals. We talked about earlier Chase Edmonds is gone. James Conner will have this role unto himself. You would think that would be a good thing. I believe that I, is actually a bad thing. I, I think they still think they're going to draft somebody. Okay. That makes sense. So you think the Cardinals will add a running back at some point in the draft? Um, yeah, I think that might work better for him. He just, he hasn't stayed healthy. He, yeah. he needs to, he needs to be in a rotational role. I don't know sure, that you could count on him to play the bit. full season. He just hasn't done it, hasn't been able to do it. Um, a lot of what his benefit was from last year, again, came from the passing game that he was getting, and that had to do with Chase Edmonds being out and DeAndre Hopkins being out as well. So, you know, Christian Kirk is gone. Maybe they continue with that volume with him but again I'm concerned about him holding up for the full season and like you said they're they might be looking to add somebody in the draft so I I don't th- I don't view him as a top 10 running back like he finished as last season I view him again as an RB2 you can start him solidly week to week as your RB2 but don't count him to be your RB1 getting 18 fantasy points a week on an on an average we'll see okay if, if they tend to say they draft a wide receiver in, instead of you know, Which I think they will. They, I think they will too. They'll take a wide receiver before they take they the running just, back, though. They could yeah. do both. I'm saying, say they skip the running back, and it's James Conner, and they sign. There's random running Johnny backs Bagabals out there they can get. There. You know, you know anybody. Yeah. They just pick somebody off the scrap heap. It, you got to feel good about rolling Conner out there next year. There's nobody behind him. Nobody threatening. You know, got to expect that workload he saw towards the end of last year without any Edmonds. So. Again, my cons- my concern is the the durability and does he? Because it even happened last season. He he got you hot and he got all that volume. He got the volume for four games or four or five games in a row, and then he got banged up and he missed <laughs> two. So you know, it's true. If it comes down to the end of the season, those four or five games that were magic. Yeah, he get. But that was the thing, like with the buddy and <laughs> with our buddy and Di- our dynasty league Rainers, like he got him hot and got him there, and then like in the last two weeks of the regular uh, fantasy season, he was hurt and didn't play. And he didn't have anything to replace him. And it's like, if that's how it's going to go, he's going to play the first, you know, 14 weeks, but then he's going to miss week 15 and 16 when I'm competing for the fantasy playoffs. That's something to kind of consider versus somebody else who might be available all season with more. Also, that offense fell apart at the end of last season, too. So I I know we can talk about from a fantasy perspective that he was very successful, but from a real NFL standpoint, their offense was not successful doing that. What? The last two seasons that happened, right? For the Cardinals? Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember the 2020 season. But 2021, they definitely fell apart after the start. I don't, Maybe I'm misremembering. I don't know that they were that... F- I don't think they went out to a huge... No, they weren't like, like, in like 2020. No, I mean the offense. Yeah. Probably really I, I think it stalled it out. The in the sec- I think it stalled out in the second half of the season still, yeah. So... Again, that's just my concern. They weren't particularly effective when he when they were doing all that with him, so maybe they switch it up and do something else. All right. Let's move on. The Los Angeles Chargers, first they tagged Mike Williams, and they signed him to a three-year, $60 million deal, so he's getting $20 million a year. Uh, that is stocks up. He's staying with Justin Herbert. Keenan Allen is, I believe he'll be in his age 30 year this uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, he's so up there. Mike Williams... Can he stay healthy? 
It wasn't even health last year, though. I think the games he missed were due to COVID. It, it's it's the consistency. It's the for the first four, five, six weeks. But he wasn't. He didn't have COVID. It was like the exposure on their team or whatever, <laughs> where like him and Keenan Allen and somebody else were all out in one game or something because of the COVID. But my my concern is the consistency. So that that that's what concerns me. Like when I'm drafting somebody, my wide receiver one, wide receiver two, I'm looking for. 15 points a week, and I mean, like, 15 points a week, where, like, you know, if you want to, my wide receiver one, I'm looking for somebody who can put up more than that closer to the 20, but my wide receiver two, if you go, if your range per week is 12 to 18, and, you know, that averages to 15, I'm okay with that from my wide receiver two. What I can't get behind for a wide receiver two that I know some other people do, they, they, they like the upside play. I can't deal with certain wide receivers, a bit like Mike Williams, where it's 20 points this week. Three points the following week. 18 points. 20 points. Four points. Two points. And it's just like every time you try to start him, you're wrong. Because I'm the worst at that. I had that problem with Michael Pittman last year. And so that's my concern with taking him as a wide receiver, too, in redraft. Dynasty, he's definitely a top 20 wide receiver. Uh, being with Justin Herbert and with the deal that he just got. But as far as redraft goes... I'm not comfortable slotting him in as a wide receiver one or two on a week-to-week basis, but as wide receiver three, flex play, he's the kind of guy you want because he's got the upside to win you that matchup. You feel differently? Uh, no, I don't really have any strong feelings on Mike Williams, to be honest. Um, I think he's a good wide receiver. Um, like you, you mentioned his consistency issues, and it's hard to argue that. Um not somebody we'll you're targeting, but if you see him there at some at the certain point in the draft, you're yeah, like, yeah, gets to a certain round, like, yeah, give me okay. my, give me Mike Williams. They also, well. um, in addition to that, the Chargers also signed Gerald Everett to play tight end because they just keep going through this revolving door at tight end. Uh, this doesn't really have any sort of fantasy significance. I know it's a two-year, twelve million dollar deal. Tight ends, for some reason, we're getting paid this off season, which is crazy because the offenses don't really feature a lot of the tight ends. So I'm not sure what what the deal with that is, but. Gerald Everett, nah. You know, if, if, if you wait on tight end until round 10, you know, there you go. There's a tight end for you. Yeah. Um, you feel good about starting Gerald Everett? Jones. I mean. No. <laughs> Gerald Everett, I don't even think, falls into that 8 to 16 category. I think he's so even after that. He's if you, if you did something completely different tight in your draft and you went, two? you know, RB, RB, you know, wide receiver, wide receiver, quarterback, quarterback, and you're just like, I'm not even going to worry about the tight end. I'll pick oh, somebody listen, up who's there. If you play in a three tight end league, Gerald Everett is a solid pickup. If you play in a, tight, in a tight end premium league with two tight ends, he's a solid second tight end, tight end premium. That's where Gerald Everett is. All right, that's enough about Gerald Everett. It's way too much. So let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I have no idea what they are doing. Christian Kirk, four years, $72 million. That can go up with some incentives, but the basic package is four years, $72 million. That's quite a lot for somebody who's never had a 1,000-yard season. I guess they're profiling him as their wide receiver one. That's interesting. They also signed Jay, Zay Jones to a three-year, $24 million year, so $8 million a year for Zay Jones. Christian Kirk is getting, what is it, $18 million a year? Yep. $18 million a year. Giving Doug if, some weapons down there. They also oh, re-signed Laquan Treadwell to a one-year, $1.187 million deal. So, you know, he's they're clearly not as big of a deal as the Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones is also there. LaVisca Chenault is still there. Who's the odd man out 
and in the starting lineup between Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, LaVisca Chenault, and Marvin Jones. Because I believe Marvin Jones is still on the team. Who's the one? Who's the odd man out? Chenault. Chenault. You think they trade Chenault for some sort of asset, or like, what's the point of just having him on the team at that point if he's? He, I think they're. They I think I heard. Uh, some I, I keep hearing rumor that they're looking yeah. to trade him, but they haven't traded him. So that's nobody wants him. So let me ask you this then: Last year, the Jaguars' wide receivers were DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, and Lavisca Chenault. This year, the wide receivers look like they're going to be Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Marvin Jones. Did they upgrade? I guess. <laughs> I mean, they spent more money on the position. If you're a defensive coordinator, are you concerned about going up against this trio of receivers? You gotta be somewhat concerned. I mean, probably in the bottom five of the league. Yeah, I mean, concerns. It's the NFL. You're concerned every week, you know. But not as nearly. I mean, concerned as. You know, it's it's not like is, you're is, going is, against... Do you look at this like there's a Tyreek Hill that's going to beat me, there's a Justin Jefferson, there's a Jamar Chase, well, there's a... definitely not. We know that. Okay. That's not going to be right. like well, that. And it's not, I mean, it's not like a trio of weapons like the Bengals have either. It's We understand it's a lower head for the league. We're gonna be, still, yeah. What's another team I can compare can't it to that maybe is not... I mean, look at look what yeah. the, the Jaguars did to the Colts. I'm I mean, it's 18 or whatever, yeah. right? You got to be concerned. I'm not feeling great about. I mean, if I have Kirk on my team, I definitely am. I guess Expect happy. Volume. Yeah, I'm, I hope he's. I hope he's getting it's a lot a of targets. Situation. I hope he's catching a lot of balls. So here's what I'll say about that. You you can say that. Oh, Christian Kirk would get the volume. Let me, which Jaguars wide receiver last year got the volume to be a fantasy relevant wide receiver? I think we have a huge change in like yeah. the with Doug Peterson coming in. Professional. Uh, coach. I think. Yeah, I think you're gonna see a big difference hopefully this gets Trevor Lawrence you know back up to you know the hype obviously died down a lot with him people are not you know his hype on on him but you know it could be a whole new world down there in Jacksonville we'll see so where would you take Christian Kirk as as a wide receiver are you starting Christian Kirk as a on on a weekly basis with confidence he could be a wide receiver too for fantasy purposes I don't see why not Wide receiver two, you'd start him week in, week out as your wide receiver two. Yeah, I mean, we're still out here in in March, but yeah, I mean, you ask me right now if if I were rolling in the next season, if I had Christian Kirk as my wide receiver two, would I feel okay? Yeah, I feel okay about that. I'm I the opposite. I don't. I don't. I, I feel like there's plenty of other wide receivers I could find as a wide oh, receiver sure. two. I feel better but about. At the same time, there's a lot that I could look at and be like, oh man. Christian Kirk in that point. He's like in the middle of that of that group of wide receiver twos where you're like, I wish I kind of had somebody better, but it could be a whole lot worse. Yeah, I guess it's a perfect I mean, middle ground. Christian Kirk right there. Balance. I mean, I'm, I'm just, again, Lish. I mean, they paid the man. They're, they, I, they, they must see the something. Show they man. value him. They value him. They, they definitely yeah, you, value him. You know, him. the Cowboys paid Amari Cooper Either and Zico Elliott to then not use either of them. So, you know, I mean. Either that or that was the, the tax. I mean, he's never had a thousand to Jacksonville. He's never had a thousand yard season, and he had Kyler Murray as his quarterback. So he was was the number one option. I understand, but again, with the way we're looking at the Jaguars, I don't think they're rolling. I think they're rolling with how we talked about Nick Sirianni, where they're going to interchange their three wide receivers and like, yeah, they're paying him to be their number one because he commanded the most. Apparently, there was a lot of interest around the league in Christian Kirk, and the Jaguars just basically overpaid to secure him on their team, but. 
I just don't think if I was an offensive coordinator, I'd be stoked about having Christian Kirk as my number one wide receiver because I can look around the league and see teams that have three wide receivers on their roster that I, I would prefer as my wide receiver one. And this just, you know what I mean? Uh, they might add somebody in the draft at some point is what I would think as well. I know they signed these guys to these deals, but, you know, Zay Jones isn't a lot they can move on from, and Laquan Treadwells he is nothing. Marvin, Marvin Jones is old. He's, he looked all right catching passes. Marvin Jones is Marvin Jones is over thirty. I don't know how long you're going to rely on him for consistent production. I think you'd want to grab another young wide receiver to give Christian or to give Trevor Lawrence that guy, and Christian Kirk can be your solid slot wide receiver. All right, let's move on then to wide receiver who left the Jacksonville Jaguars. DJ Chark heads over to the Lions on a one-year, ten million dollar deal. He can earn next additional three million dollars in incentives. So it looks like DJ Chark's going to be their wide receiver one there. I know they have Monroe St. Brown. He's more of the slot wide receiver. Well, let's talk about that then, Rich. Which wide receiver would you say would be their number one at the end of the year? Amon Ra. Amon Ra St. Brown. I've never been a big DJ Chark guy. I, I just haven't seen what other people have. So I think it's they're all still relying on the traits for him. He's got the size. He's got the speed. For whatever reason, he didn't put it together. In all fairness, he was on the worst team in football for the last two years and then he got hurt well he got hurt last year but he was on the worst team in football for the two years before that with the Jaguars with inconsistent quarterback play that rotation of guys they had in there really need to stop that. Um, I think he will be their wide receiver one as far as like the stats go I don't know that the, it's a sizable gap between him and Amon Ross St. Brown as far as that goes is, is where I would be at so Again, I feel they're both they're both flex, and I keep saying this about a lot of the guys, yeah, but everybody's I, a flex. Yeah, I feel like they're flex play. Well, because I mean, because if we want to go through the guys who would be in the top ten to twenty, I could list off right now like 10, 15 wide receivers I would take over these guys comfortably. Right. You so, know what I mean? So that's that's, that's what you have to consider too is when you're looking at these guys. Jared Goff's the quarterback at the moment. I'm under the impression that the Lions aren't going to take a guy at two, so. Jared Goff's going to be the starter for this year. You're not particularly hype on that. So how much does the number one on this team even really contribute? Amon Ross St. Brown's uh, success last year came from volume. He was getting 10, 11 targets a game over that stretch because TJ Hawkinson, yeah, Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift, Swift were out. out. Yep. So if TJ Hawkinson are there, DeAndre Swift is there, you added DJ Chark. And I just I don't know that I would feel comfortable with the Lions wide receiver one being a top 20 wide receiver. So Anyway, Chark, that kind of stuff is, we'll, we'll, we'll see when the season starts. We'll we can, see more yeah. after the draft. Yeah, let's not worry about then. him in March. Yeah, <laughs> let's move on down to the uh, Buccaneers, bringing in Russell Gage for three years, $30 million. Resign Chris Godwin, three years, $60 million. And They bring back Fournette, three years, 20, $21 million. And uh, Brady uh, came back. We already talked about that last yep. episode. So, yeah, we talked about Brady's back. So, biggest winner here, Russell Gage goes from being on the Falcons and kind of a listless offense, listless organization that doesn't seem to have any direction at the moment. Yeah, I mean, he went from, he would have been Mariota to, to having Tom, Tom Brady, Brady. The GOAT. The, the GOAT. Talk about an upgrade. Uh, Godwin is also tore his ACL late last season, so he's going to miss the first month for sure, probably the October as well. So Russell Gage should be operating as the number two wide receiver for at least the first eight weeks of the season. 
he had a solid season last year operating as the number one. I, you know, Calvin Ridley, I think, played three or four games. But other than that, Russell Gage was the number one wide receiver. Going to say it again, Rich. Flex play could be a, could be a wide receiver too. As far as the reason for the the reason for my hesitation with him is because when Chris Godwin comes back, does he get relegated to the wide receiver three role on the Tampa yeah, Bay Buccaneers? Probably. And while that is still a productive role to be in, he then goes from being a solid wide receiver two weekly to being more of that wide receiver three flex. So that's the risk you're running with Russell Gage. How confident are you that the Bucks are still going to throw it all over the yard? Although without Rob Gronkowski there, there could be more volume yeah, for the wide if receivers. If doesn't come back, there's more opportunity. Question: Who is the third? Who last season? Who was the third guy behind Godwin and Evans? Antonio Brown. A B. Everybody ignores that. Every time you listen to anybody talk about the Bucks, they just ignore the fact that Antonio Brown was on the team for the majority of the season. After him, who was it? Was it Scotty Miller? Tyler Johnson. Scotty Miller. So are we thinking that? Gage is falling. Gage has into a better role because than like Scotty he's, Miller. He's not gonna. He's get, not gonna be Antonio Brown, yeah. but he's not gonna be as in as yeah. irrelevant fantasy wise as Scotty Miller was. So, he will still be a viable a flex play yeah. even once Godwin is back. So here's what I'm thinking from a dynasty perspective: you get that month, maybe maybe six games where Gage is the number two. He's popping off. You start to see so. the reports. Godwin's coming back soon. Dump him. Dump him. Get some assets. Yeah, if you can find somebody. I would dump him earlier than the reports that Godwin is coming right. back. When he blows up for the first yeah. month, Godwin is still going to be missing him. He's going to be out for a month. You, you try to get him, sell him then. Yeah, sell him because guys will go down early in the season. They see this guy. Maybe you sell him for a, a first. It, you know, the market will be weird. We won't know at that time. But, you know, People in, inevitably get hurt. That's what um, my play would yeah. be if Gage, if I have Gage. He's definitely someone to look to sell high at the beginning of the season when he's going off. Because remember, we, he signed a three-year deal with the Bucks. Godwin also signed a three-year deal. I don't know how much long Mike Evans is on the Bucks for. I believe he's or how much longer Tom Brady's on the Bucks for. Right. right. So the there could be a huge drop off coming for Gage after the first two months of next season. It's, so yeah, it definitely seems like long term it could be Gage could be an inconsequential character, but right now he's gonna carry value. So yeah. you know, I think you see him pop off. Be ready to capitalize. Yeah, yeah. you know, pump and dump. Mm-hmm. If you're doing a redraft league again, he's a viable. To start the season, a wide receiver two, and then he might move to a flex wide receiver three role. So where you're comfortable drafting him with that. Again, I view him, as we were saying, flex play, I view him closer to being a wide receiver, too, than I had some of those other guys we were talking about. And then there is Chris Godwin. Like we said, he tore his ACL. He should be back. He's back. If, he's Chris Godwin. As long as that knee's good, Tom Brady's going to Solid wide receiver, yeah. too, as long as, uh, as, long wide, as Brady wide is there. Wide receiver, one upside. Where do you view him at in dynasty-wise? Because, again, there's the uncertainty with Brady. There's also the uncertainty with his leg. They did sign Gage to three-year deal. But on the bright side, Evans might be out in a year or two, depending on his age and contract and all that. And I know that's complete speculation, but... I still like Chris Godwin. Would you... So top 20 in Dynasty redraft? Easy, probably top 15. Top 15. I, I was going to say, I can't go top 10, but I definitely top 20, which is why I kind of went to balance it out. So top 15. Okay. So then, also they brought back Leonard Fournette. Important note for Leonard Fournette being gone, Ronald Jones is gone. He signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Giovanni Bernard is also gone, so there is no competition at the running back position for Leonard Fournette. Tom Brady is back. Tom Brady loves Leonard Fournette. I think Leonard Fournette could finish as a top 10 running back again this season. Absolutely. And I didn't think that when Tom Brady wasn't the starter, but I do think that now with Tom Brady there. Mm. Long-term prospect dynasty-wise, again, with the uncertainty with Tom Brady. He's a great piece for a contender. He's a great, great piece, piece for a contender. For a contender. If, if you're not contending, maybe some away. If you're kind of set at running back, Sell them away and get the value before it tanks and keep your other running backs who have longer-term value is what I would say. You've got, you know, the Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, somebody like that who's going to have a few more years ahead of them. Hang on to them. Sell Fournette for his value and build off of that. All right. Moving along then, more wide receiver movements that are sort of, uh, that are all tied together. Allen Robinson signs with the Rams. Three years, $46.5 million. Robert Woods, so with Allen Robinson there, Cooper Cup there on his deal, Robert Woods was also in a significant deal. They couldn't keep all three of those guys. Robert Woods gets traded to the Titans for a six-round pick, kind of like the Amari Cooper trade to the Browns. In addition to that, the Titans then release Julio Jones, so a series of chain reactions there. So I'll say this, the move the move benefits Allen Robinson, Big and time. it stocks down for Robert Woods and Julio Jones. So, Allen Robinson, this will be the best quarterback Allen Robinson has ever played with in his entire career. He goes from Trevor Lawrence to Mitch Trubisky to Nick Foles to Justin Fields to Andy Dalton, all rotating in with each other over the past three to four years. He had, like I said, Trevor, he had, uh, what was his name before that? Who? The Jaguars, Blake Bortles, that's who it was. Bortles before that. He now goes to Matthew Stafford, who just won the Super Bowl, had Cooper Cup as a Triple Crown champion. Throws the ball. Matthew Stafford has routinely produced 2,000-yard receivers. We've seen it in Detroit. He could have done it last year if Robert Woods or Odell Beckham Jr. had actually played the full season. If you combine their stats, they easily would have eclipsed that 1,000-yard marker. Allen Robinson looks like he's going to be the number two. Odell Beckham Jr. is still not re-signed. He's got a torn ACL. He tore it in the Super Bowl. He's not going to be back for, again, he's guaranteed to be gone for the first two months. He might not be back until late November, early December. Allen Robinson is going to be the number two wide receiver on that team up until that point. That has significant value. He is comfortably in redraft. He's definitely a wide receiver, too, with the potential to uh, wide receiver one upside on a week-to-week basis. So in that top 15 as far as wide receivers in redraft. Dynasty, he's an older guy. He's 29 this season, so he's going to hit that 30 mark next season. Again, he you can still be productive at your age 30, 31 season. It's how productive are you, how much does it drop off, so... My advice would be Allen Robinson should have a great season. Use him throughout the season. Keep him. The Rams should be rolling all season long. And then at the end of the season, trade him. Get the value you can for him before next season when he hits the cliff because people still see him coming back with the Rams. It was a three-year deal he signed, so they're going to imagine he's going to be back and he's going to be doing the same thing. And I would sell him for the value the end of this season. Do you disagree? Do you feel that? Uh, I agree with that. Okay. Yeah, that is a good strategy. Yeah. Robert Woods, the Titans. The Titans have not had a significant pass-catching option, a significant second pass-catching option. Corey Corey Davis a couple years ago. Called 80 balls. I feel like he was very inconsistent with those 80 balls. A little bit, but I don't don't worry too much about Robert. If he's healthy, if the knee's good, I think he's a solid one. Also coming off a torn ACL, how did Julio Jones do last year on the Titans? He couldn't stay on the field. Right. 
I mean, so... I don't know. It, it just, again, with the, the... The Titans don't have a history of doing it. They're a run-first offense. They go through Derrick Henry. I know Derrick Henry was injured. Uh, I feel like they need to grab another running back that they can plow through uh, with Derrick Henry. But I don't know that there's enough volume to make Robert was anything what he's been in the past. And he fall, like, he was a guy who would typically be a top 15 wide receiver. I'm thinking top 25 now. That's fair. Closer to the 20-25 range than the 15 range that he was normally at before. So a drop for Robert Woods. Uh, still a very usable fantasy piece. Julio Jones is a free agent. We'll update you on Julio Jones' fantasy relevance if he gets signed to a team. Not looking good for Julio Jones, though. I don't really see anywhere he goes where he's going to be a wide receiver one and reclaim that role. So Julio Jones' fantasy days look like they're dwindling fast. The Carolina Panthers extended D.J. Moore three years, $61.9 million. They also signed Rashard Higgins to a one-year deal. Their quarterback at the moment is Sam Darnold. Get that man a quarterback. <laughs> DJ Moore has been a perennial wide receiver too. Puts up numbers with, with he had the, like the ghost of of Cam Newton, um, Sam Darnold. He's a Rob um, Light, huh? Uh, PJ Walker, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, a Rob Light in a sense. Yeah, it's it's just a good doesn't call. have the good quarterback play. So he gets he can be wide receiver one. He gets a good quarterback. Yeah. So the upside's there. That's what I was going to say. So my advice is he would be somebody I'd actually be looking to target because the Panthers are going to do something about the quarterback position, and I'm under the belief they're going to draft Kenny Pickett at quarterback. I don't know how much that does for him this year. If they don't draft a quarterback early this year, they're going to do something about it next year, and I think he's going to – he might have a down year this year. That's why I would look to target him and buy low because I imagine the future stocks would be a lot higher once they get a better quarterback in there in Carolina. That is complete speculation, but, again, that's – DJ Moore is all the talent in the world to be, like you said, a top 10 wide receiver. So, matter getting the right quarterback, if they add Kenny Pickett or if they, you know, don't add a quarterback this year, but they're going to add one next year, he's somebody that I'd be looking to target as the season winds down. Look to a team that, you know, is going to need to rebuild and try to get something f- for DJ Moore from them by low. Good call. Yeah, I tried to. I, I was targeting him at the end of last season, this offseason, but just couldn't hammer out a deal. Couldn't, couldn't, it ended up going, going with the Deontay Johnson route instead. But <laughs> I feel, I feel like uh, DJ Moore could uh, yeah, that, be that guy. That DJ Moore owner's a little greedy, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's yeah. A Come on, we gotta put the explicit on this podcast now. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll cut that. Cut <laughs> it. Cut it. Cut it. So, <laughs> the next move. Seattle resigns Rashad Penny. It's a one-year deal, five point five five point seven five million. So not a huge contract, kind of a prove-it sort of deal. The Seattle Seahawks also seemed like they need to find a direction to figure out what they're doing. They need a quarterback. They just traded Russell Wilson away. I don't imagine the offense, even though Russell Wilson was banged up, I, I think a banged-up Russell Wilson probably still operated that offense more effectively than Drew Locke is going to. I'm also under the belief that the Seahawks are going to draft Malik Willis, so it's either going to be Drew Locke or a rookie quarterback out there for you. Rashad Penny is a top 20 running back for me, but not a top 10 running back for me. I'm not ready to comment. It's a wait and see for me completely. you got to see how the rest yeah. of this offense pairs out. Like yeah. If they start selling off assets and it looks like it's tank season, the Rashad Penny's value plummets. So For sure. Even if they address the, – what, 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 we talked about it last episode. What, what, what about Chris Carson, Like right? like Yeah. What if they draft somebody, you know? 
We'll not, not enough information to complete yeah. the... I'm cons- yeah. Chris Carson doesn't concern me as much because the neck injury seems like it's a very serious thing. I think some people might be underestimating or brushing away because Pete Carroll did it at one point, but like it was, it's, it's, that's a significant injury. Um, but yeah, Rashad Penny, his upside I think is like RB15, that range, but his downside is RB30. Yeah, 36. <laughs> like, yeah. So run the risk with Rashad Penny if you're doing a best ball league or you know something like that right now where you have to draft him. That's the risk you run with Rashad Penny. Let's move on. Another running back resigns Cordero Patterson. He's back with the Atlanta Falcons. Two years, ten point five million. They of course traded Matt Ryan. They add Marcus Mariota starting. They don't have anything else really in the way of pass catchers with Russell Gage gone. Calvin Ridley suspended for the season. Maybe Cordero Patterson is used as a wide receiver and gets some volume like that. Just start the hype train. Start the hype train. Start the hype train. Cordell Patterson. Choo-choo. The hype train's leaving the station. Oh, yeah? What are we thinking? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm top, be, top eight here, Rick? I'll still be at the station. Let me know when that... Stay. All right. I'll, I'll You're not it. buying the ticket? No. What, what else are they going to do? I mean, they're going to dr- probably draft a rookie, right? And then and then what? What, is, what else do they have? How old is he? doesn't matter. We it talked about matter. this before. Yeah, he was. Matter, yeah. He's... <laughs> He's not your traditional player. He doesn't have the wear and tear on him like some of these other guys. He's right. going to be used as a pass catcher, so he's going to have flex-worthy value. Get some carries. Uh, behind what sort of offensive line? And like, How often do you imagine the Falcons are going to be in a position to run the ball? What, their first drive when they get the ball, and then they're behind by a touchdown every time after that? Like, This is a team that's in a... It, 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 they're not saying it. They're in a complete rebuild mode, and they don't have, they don't have the, the... No faith in Mariota? It's not even about Mariota. The offense doesn't have any pieces around him. The defense has holes all over the place. It's a team that like really needs to rebuild about like eighteen positions out of the twenty-two starting positions on their team. You know what I mean? All right, not that much. That's a bit of an exaggeration. But who's he throwing the ball to? Who's who? Who's backing up? Who's backing up the linebackers? So I mean, what? Yeah, what are they going to feed off of Cordero Patterson's? One yard, you know, his three yard catches over and over again, yeah, and, and his wheel routes up the sideline. Yeah, you're you're a lot more optimistic about that being sustainable over the course of a season than I am. So Cordero Patterson's, if they don't draft a running back, then I expect him to see carries. I don't know if they're going to give Mike Davis the lion's share of the work. Like I just don't see it. I don't even believe Mike Davis is on the team. I think they added some. I, I think they added somebody exactly. else. Exactly. Even more to even the point. Even more to the exactly. I, I, I don't imagine there's any value to his touches, though. I don't think their, their line is particularly good. I don't think they're going to be in scoring position often. I don't think they're going to be in position to run the ball often. And you say, who are they going to throw the ball to? But when you're behind, you got to throw the ball. So I mean, really, they're going to throw the ball to whoever they draft with the eighth overall pick at wide receiver. Three catches and 30, like, 30 yards. They're going to throw the ball like, to Garrett Wilson and Kyle Pitts. He's 50 rushing yards, three catches, 30 receiving yards. They're going to throw the ball to Garrett Wilson and Kyle Pitts. I hear you, but I'm not saying that he's got to get 10 targets and 10 catches. Like, you know, he catches three, four passes, and he rushes for, like, 50 yards, and he's a fantasy viable option. You're taking him as a top 10 running back. I'm taking him as a top 10 running back. That was a question. Oh, no, no. You kind of responded like you weren't sure if he had. No, 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 I'm not taking him as a top 10 running back. I play him as a a solid flex, RB3. That's that's what I said. (laughs) And you came at me like I was outrageous. I must have misheard you. I said he's he's got enough to be solid flex volume. All right, we'll, we'll move on from that. Cordero <laughs> Patterson, flex play. Uh, Dynasty, 
you're drafting him, you're drafting him late. Like, he's a perfect piece for a contender. Yeah, it's perfect you're piece a for a contender. You know, you're holding out. Holding I also like to talk about you're doing a startup draft okay, with the dynasty as well. Sometimes. I'm ending the Cordell Patterson conversation. There we go. Uh, over. James White resigns with New England. This uh, re- this really affects Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. That's the only reason to brush upon it. It kind of takes away from the pass catching that we would hope they would get. You're really depending on the touchdowns with those two. Damian Harris was getting a lot more of them at the end of the season, but he's not going to get that passing game volume. I think that keeps him in inside the top 20, but again, he's one of those running backs that I, isn't in that top 15 where I think he could crack the top 10 running backs because of the lack of the passing game. Any other thoughts, or can we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, all right. We're, we're getting up against it. With Bears the released Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery, and Khalil Herbert still on the roster. The Bears claimed that they wanted to add a, some some different dynamic at running back on their team. I don't know what that means. They don't really have a lot of draft capital to do it. They have six picks, and they don't have a first-round pick. I can't really imagine. And they've got holes on their defense. They need wide receivers. I can't imagine wasting a pick on a running back. I think it's David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert for the, Could for the be Bears. Undrafted free agent. That's what that would make yeah. sense. David Montgomery. So, and I think they're looking more for that pass-catching role that they lose with Tariq Cohen going out the door. So David Montgomery hovering around RB15. And Khalil Herbert is definitely a handcuff you want to have on your bench because we've seen if David Montgomery goes out, Khalil Herbert's going to get that role, and he can definitely sustain the production that you're getting from David Montgomery. Las Vegas Raiders signed Amir Abdullah. It's only relevant because he's going to be their pass-catching pack, which, again, is going to limit Josh Jacobs' ceiling, which is what we always talk about with Josh Jacobs, lack of the pass-catching. They brought in Amir Abdullah to replace Jalen Richard, who was their previous pass-catching back. Just limits the upside of Josh Jacobs is really the only thing. Again, he's in the 15 to 20 range without the uh, – I don't view him at the real realistic possibility of cracking the top 10 because of the last lack of the passing game. Even though I think on a total points basis he might have been there last year because some guys got hurt. So uh, just on a weekly basis, I don't see him being the guy getting 18 to 20 points. I think he points. finished number 11 PPR. 11. With okay. missing some games, but, you know. That's, yeah, he's always going to miss so. games, too. He misses yeah, two to P- three games yeah, this season. Guys miss I think games he missed four last season. Right. Um, moving on from that, Jets made a series of moves that we're only going to talk about because they signed C.J. Uzoma, Tyler Conklin, both the significant deals. Uzoma, three-year, $24 million, so $8 million a year. Conklin, three-year, $20.25 million, so about $7 million a year for Conklin. So eight years for one tight end, $7 million for another tight end. They also brought Tevin Coleman back on a one-year deal, and we know that they have Michael Carter on their roster. This seems like a team that's going to run the ball, especially when you add in the lack of pass catchers at the moment. It makes sense. So you, know, you take some pressure off your young quarterback by being able to, to run the ball. Um, bring some tight ends in, um, extra blockers to take pressure off them when you do, you know, throw the ball. Um, they can leak out, safety valve. Um, it, it just makes sense. You look at the contracts, and it's hard to get excited about either of the tight ends. I think they fall even outside that top 15 tight end that we, range that we usually talk about where, you know, you have that second range of guys that are just kind of interchangeable. I don't, I don't think I would feel comfortable with either of these guys being my starting tight end. Uh, Michael Carter's stock should be up because with Kevin Coleman being back, I don't really imagine that they are going to add anybody else significant. Maybe they add a late-round running back, but I feel like we feel like they're going to run more, maybe do some more short passing game work with the two tight ends and Michael Carter back there. So I think Michael Carter's stocks are up. Uh, I feel comfortable with Michael Carter being my RB2 this season. How about you, Rich? Is he an RB2? Is he a flex play for you? Does he I still like him as a flex? Still like him as a flex? Yeah. Okay. See, I think he might have some upside there. I think they're going to take a wide receiver, but I think he could also get the passing game and some running volume. Moving on, Cincinnati Bengals signed Hayden Hurst. 
One year, $3.5 million. He's replacing CJ Uzama, who signed with the Jets. That's where that was going. That's why I had yeah, it lined up that way. He's going to be there for the tight end. Exactly. CJ Uzama had some volume and some some useful games last season, but not at a consistent rate. Again, Hayden Hurst not interested. Riley Cox back with the Colts. Matt Ryan's now the quarterback. Carson Wentz is gone. I don't know. Moelle Cox might become a viable this tight a, end. A really good red zone threat. Um, they gave him a three-year, $18 million deal, so $6 million like a year. Em. Again, they like, like what they, the Jets were doing with the other guys. But the same, So, I, I don't know. Again, Moelle Cox, if, if you're starting him at tight end, good luck. You waited a little while on tight ends there. Tennessee signed Austin Hooper, one year, $6 million. Again, all these tight ends seem to be getting around 6 to $8 million a year. I don't know why, because the offenses don't feature them. I'm not starting a, t- a tight end for the Tennessee Titans. We've already talked about how I'm not certain about a second pass catcher at all. I'm definitely not going to start the tight end, especially with Robert Woods there. I, I just I can't do it. And then Je- Jeff Swain, one year deal, one year, three point five million. I believe the Titan the Titans signed him as well. So again, they added another tight end, another tight end too, to make you feel even less confident. Buffalo Bills released Cole Beasley and signed Jamison Crowder to a one-year, $4 million deal. He's going to fill that slot wide receiver role. That has some actual value as far as flex wide receiver three range in fantasy, unless you feel differently, Rich. I know that Gabriel Davis came on. They also signed Isaiah McKenzie to a deal, but I think it's Stephon Diggs. Gabriel Davis, and then Jamison Crowder there. Again, pretty nicely filling in that Cole Beasley role. Yeah, uh... I don't disagree with that. Yeah. 10 to 12 points a week is what I would expect from Crowder. Not really going to expect any sort of wide receiver one production all, but if you if you wait on wide receivers and he has... I don't actually know. I wouldn't even use wide receiver two. Flex play, sorry. Um, that's really it as far as all the major signings go. Some free agents that are still out there. OBJ, Rob Gronkowski, Jarvis Landry, Will Fuller, although there's rumors he might be going to the Browns to reunite with Deshaun Watson. We'll see. Julio Jones, Melvin Gordon, Emmanuel Sanders. If those guys sign, we will keep you updated on that. But uh, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to talk about, Rich? Anything that we didn't mention that you might want to say? You got any uh, any predictions for the free agents that haven't signed yet? Uh, care to Gronk back with the Bucks? Uh, it's a bold yeah. one. Bold. So no, I said so. We, there's there was rumor about Fuller going to the Browns. We'll see. I don't know what the Browns. I'd have to take a closer look at what you know the Browns situation as far as cap wise would be. But I look forward I'm not, to Green Bay. I'm not too fond of. I know there's some people talking about well maybe Green Bay will bring in OBJ or Landry or, or, or Julio Jones or something like that. I don't think in older. Banged up wide receiver is what the Green Bay Packers need to add. I think they kind of have someone like that in Randall Cobb, who has a way better connection with Aaron Rodgers than any of these guys would coming in. Uh, So I think the Packers are going to add in the draft. Um, OBJ, I don't know, man. The 20 ACL, the hit in the 30, it's got me nervous. Jarvis Landry, it's it's been a while since Jarvis Landry was a huge name. Where would they go? I mean, the Saints need a wide receiver. They've got Michael Thomas there, though, in kind of that same older injured wide receiver range. But the the Saints, <coughs> I could see the Saints using Landry as a guy. It's what I'd imagine. Julio Jones, I think, is going to have a hard time finding any takers. I think between the lack of production, the injury, and then just everything that went about with the contract situation and why that was such a huge issue with him getting out of there, I don't 
know that anyone's jumping for joy for Julio Jones. So I think Fuller's the most likely of them to be signed to a team and play. I know that seems crazy for a guy that has missed as much time, but I think he's just because of the age, he's got the, he's younger than all of them. He's still got way more speed than all of them. Speed factor, his ability to take the top off the defense. OBJ would be my next most likely to sign okay. with a team and have useful fantasy production. Like I think Landry will sign with a team. I don't know that it'll actually lead to yeah. You know what I mean? Like you might be a veteran wide receiver there to coach up the young guys. Aside from that, uh, that is everything for us today. We're gonna wrap it up. We'll have a new episode coming at you in a week or so. We've got some scheduling stuff going on, so we don't know that there's going to be one coming up next week. But until next time, I am Ryan McNichols. It's Rich Houck, Mike Coyle. We'll see you next time. Peace. Adios.